ladies, puberty, PMT, pregnancy, the menopause. Yes, your hormones have been taking you for a ride for years. Hot flushes on the bus, menopausal meltdowns in the office, whatever those hormones have made you do, Jenny Smith and Kate Bouse are here to lend a sympathetic ear. Why not write in and share your hormonal hell with the girls? Don't worry, they've heard it all before. It's time to put those hormones in the firing line. This is Dear Hormones. Welcome to your safe space, ladies. Coming up on today's show, how hormones rendered one woman incapable of naming her baby, menopausal rage over a flannel, and how being a scout leader is more stressful than you'd think. Hello again. Welcome back to Dear Hormones. Hi, Kate. Hello, Jenny. Hello, everybody. Uh, we've just had another half hour of tech despair, haven't we? But I think we've got it sorted this time. <laughs> I feel like it's usually my fault. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it wasn't last week. Remember last week I had my microphone on mute for a good half an hour before we realised what was wrong. <laughs> We're very, um, yeah, very sort of typical uh, menopausal women here. Well, <laughs> is there such a thing, Jenny? And speaking of menopausal women, Kate, should we just go through a couple more symptoms? Are you up for it? Oh, to gosh. see whether... Give it a go. Come on. What's okay, the next one? Okay. Well, the next one's a really big one. So this will be interesting to see whether you've had this. Um, anxiety. Have you been feeling anxious at all? Anxiety. Um, now, I'm not, I wouldn't usually call myself an anxious person. And again, I don't know whether this classifies as anxiety. Have I, I've told you, Jenny, before, haven't I, that I am now a scout leader. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> Which is not particularly because I especially wanted to be a scout no. leader. This is because my son had been on the waiting list to be a scout for a very, very long time. And then I had an email saying that it looked unlikely that he would ever get a place um, and that I should try a different scout group miles and miles away. And, uh, and I thought, oh, really? You know, <laughs> can't face driving him miles and miles away. We have a scout park right on our doorstep. That's the one I want him to go to. And I said, is there anything at all that can be done? And they said, well, if you are happy to volunteer, then he could have a place. So I volunteered, but he didn't, he wasn't able to come straight with me when I volunteered. I then had to sort of volunteer for about <laughs> a term, you know, just me going along by myself <laughs> without oh, my Kate, son. That's Do you know what? That's dedication for you. That just shows what a great mum you are. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. It is worth it. It's well and truly worth it because he's having all sorts of amazing experiences at the moment and it's great. But the anxiety thing relates to me as a scout leader. Now, I work a lot with younger children and I feel very comfortable working with primary school age children. But the secondary school children, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not experienced at it at all. And it all scares me a little bit. They're, they're all, it's a very different sort of relationship from what I'm used to with children. Mm. And then all of the other scout leaders, they're all men. And they're very nice. They're lovely. But they're they are just, <laughs> they're very confident with what they're doing. They've been doing it for a long time. And that a lot of the activities are things that I am not confident with. And I have found myself recently on several occasions just feeling like a sort of daft old lady who doesn't know what she's doing and feeling that they're looking at me thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, you've just got no idea and I feel I lo I've lost my confidence a little bit oh no I, feel, oh, I sort of no. I wish that they could see me when I'm you know when I'm in my element doing things that I'm really good at I feel as though I turn up there and it's things like 
it, compass reading, which oh, is something oh. that is just something I've never done before. And I am not good with that kind of thing at all. I mean, it probably isn't very complicated at all, but I even find it difficult. You, you have to put your compass on the map and then you have to put certain bits in in certain directions and then you turn your body in a certain direction and I just I can't figure it out and then I've got these like slightly wild children with me who kind of do you've got to be very quick and on the ball with but at the same time I'm trying to 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 navigate ha 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 this is like to, to navigate how to use a compass and really difficult so we did this one week I just felt like completely at sea Oh, By the no. end of the session, I thought maybe I was slightly getting the hang of it. And then the next week we were going back again and we were like leading our own groups by ourselves. I thought, right, OK, this is all right. And then they said, no, this week we're not going to use the regular compasses. We're going to use the compasses on our telephones, on our mobile <laughs> phones. And it was like a whole nother thing. And I, I, just, I just felt really quite stupid, Jenny. Oh, and just... Kate. Yeah. So so that that is a bit of an anxious <sighs> scenario you've just described there. But also, can I just say, I don't know what you're like normally with directions, but I am the world's worst person when it comes to map reading anyway, at the best of times. Listen, if, if I stop someone in the street and I ask them for directions, if they tell me to head north, on so such and such a street, then they can do one, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> How the hell do I know where north is? Stop it. Have you had somebody tell you that before? I, I'm terrible with directions. I remember this one time when I was, when I used to work at um, this radio station, they'd sent me off somewhere to do something. And I was obviously lost. I couldn't find it in this place at all. So I phoned my American friend back in the office. And he said, oh, Jenny, it's very simple. All you got to do is you get your head west along, you know, Shaftesbury Avenue. And I was like, Jim, I don't know which way west is. Why are you telling me to head west? I am lost. I don't, I can't look at a map, let alone know where north, south, east and west is. So I do get your stress when it comes to um, map reading That's and compass it. reading but I, you do strike me as being very competent and as you say you know you're a oh, teacher so. I don't feel like I am at the moment but that's it as well I think because I know that they know that I'm a teacher they're looking at me <laughs> thinking she's going to be really good and then they're just really disappointed I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not <laughs> thinking I thought she was a teacher <laughs> she? okay she's got no idea anyway I, I I'm sure I'll get over it. Do you think I need to put a little tick slash question mark by anxiety then? <laughs> Maybe you do. And then this week it was whittling. Oh, God. Were... <laughs> 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 this is just all things that are not my forte. So they were whittling and I thought, right, OK, I'm, I'm going to really, I'm going to come back fighting this week. I'm going to be, I'm going to yeah. be good at this. And there were some Girl Scouts there this week who've just moved up. So I thought, right, you know, that they, they'll, they'll appreciate the fact that there's a, a woman there. And I went and spoke to this girl who was very lovely. And I gave her some advice on how to whittle a fox out of a twig. <laughs> Can I just ask, like, what, what advice did you possibly give? <laughs> well, I advised her about how to do the ears, which was a bit of a sort of fiddly bit. Did and I was you? Like, oh, you can <laughs> Well, Jenny, yes, I did. And then I literally turned my back. Yeah. And 10 seconds later, there was this like howl. <laughs> and she cut herself really quite badly trying to do the ears. So I, I blame myself. <laughs> this is a tough one to laugh at because I find this hilarious because of your situation. But obviously a child has been injured here. So I'm not laughing at that. <laughs> But I am laughing at the fact you turned back and there's blood. <laughs> like, oh God, my advice on like doing a fiddly bit. She wasn't quite ready. And uh, uh, 
that that is not going to help the an- the anxiety levels one bit, is no. it? Okay. Oh, poor you. Oh dear. But I feel like we're going to have lots of stories now, scout related stories for our podcast. So I'm actually quite pleased about it. Well, my scout hoodie and my scout polo shirt have just arrived. Um, so I, I look the part. I just don't feel the part quite yet. I used to go to guides and brownies. And do the leaders get um, special names like brown owl and all of those things? <laughs> Are you called something special? Would you like to give me a special name, Jenny? Yeah, I'll think of one. Yeah. The whittler. <laughs> the whittler. Yeah. yeah. Wicked whittler. Wonderful whittler. Shall we get started with our um, with our first letter? Actually, I've got a confession here. Not confession so much as it's been a while, hasn't it, since I've um, fessed up <laughs> to some of the things oh, that were happening we're to me. Oh, we're going to have one of your letters, Jenny. I thought, yes, well, this actually only came back to me a couple of days ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should put that one in the podcast. It's not a massive thing. It's just, <laughs> it's just another sign of um, my slight rage that was flaring up every now and then when my son was quite a bit younger now. This is about probably going back about four years. Okay, so I, I've called this letter flannel. Here we go. In the beginning, when we first have our babies, we care for them 24-7. We feed them, clothe them, comfort them, and of course, wash them, giving them baths every night and then snuggling them up in a towel, ready for story time. Oh, I quite miss that. Oh, I do miss that. But of course, as they get older, they start doing more and more on their own. And soon they're getting themselves dressed and of course, taking a shower and keeping themselves clean. At the peak of my perimenopausal rage, although I didn't know this at the time, when my son was around 10, he, of course, was doing all of this and more for himself. Don't forget to wash your face, I'd say every time he went into the shower. And every time he came out of the shower, I'd say, did you wash your face? To which he'd say, I don't remember. To which I'd say, well, you obviously didn't then, so go and do it now. To which he'd go into the bathroom, wet a corner of a flannel and swipe it across his face. I didn't actually see him do this, but I sure did see the bone dry flannel every morning lying on the bathroom floor with a damp corner. (laughs) Oh my God. At least there was a damp corner. Yeah. Yeah. This scenario happened on a daily basis for what seemed like an eternity. Me trying to keep my cool, asking him if he'd washed his face, him telling me he couldn't remember, me telling him to go and do it, him wetting the corner of a flannel, and so on and so on. Oh, how exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, this is infuriating for any parent. But one morning, when my ever-decreasing oestrogen levels were at an all-time low, it happened again. Don't forget to wash your face, I said as he went into the shower. Did you wash your face? I said as he emerged from the bathroom, sleep clearly still in his eyes, hair bone dry. I don't remember, he said. And then all the pent up rage from days, nay weeks of asking him to wash his face exploded. And with my face a mere inch from his, I shouted, What do you mean you can't remember? You've literally just walked out of the shower. You know you haven't washed your face, even though I've been asking you to wash your face every bloody day for months. Why don't you do it? Why don't you get your face wet in the shower? It's your face. It's the only... (laughs) It's the only part of your body that people will see all the time. You'll be at secondary school soon and then what? You'll have spots all over your face and it'll all be your fault all because you don't wash your face 
I was now... (laughs) I was now crying, staring into his bewildered face, wondering what I'd done to deserve such a dirty-faced child. (laughs) That poor boy. God. But you see now, having said about my that sort of hot rage yes. that hit me at the weekend, I can I can relate. Yeah. Yes, you good. I'm so glad now. I'm so glad now you feel it because it literally it just ticked over, ticked over, ticked over, ticked over to one day wash your bloody face. Finally the tirade was over. The hormones resumed to normal, and my son, utterly bemused and slightly scared, walked back into the bathroom to wash his face. After he'd gone to school, I went into the bathroom, picked up the bone-dry flannel by its slightly damp corner and hung my head in shame. The end. Did you say sorry when he came home or not? I don't think I did say sorry to that one, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Sort of sorry, but I don't know if he's still washing his face that well, to well, be fair. <laughs> I see. And does he have spots everywhere now? Is he still- no, no, he doesn't, actually. <laughs> it didn't come true, thank God. No, but he does need to wash his face. Is that just the boy thing, Kate? Tell me. What's your son like at washing his face? Generally, what my son is like is that about 10 o'clock at night when you're saying, you really, really need to go to bed, he will just suddenly say, oh, I need to have a shower. Oh, <laughs> it's really too late to go and have a shower now. So is he stalling, though? Is he just stalling? No, not really. I think he, he does suddenly remember and he has this consciousness of the fact that he should keep clean. But he just has not remembered until so late that I then am the one who says, no, it's too late to have a shower now. You need to go to bed. Right. So if he's not washing, it's it's. Fit. <laughs> well, I really hope there are other parents out there listening to this saying to me through the speaker, don't worry, my son doesn't wash his face either. Don't worry. Not I it. actually... Okay, I'm going to say that to you now. I'm sorry. I've not been at all helpful. <laughs> Jenny. No, it's fine. It's just his My thing. son doesn't wash his face. I actually don't even know if my son does wash his face. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. That, that was my next question. Yes, he might be having a shower, but is I've he I've never asked him face? if he washes his face. It's just that I could... I, I just became fixated on it at this particular time mm, because he'd come out yes. of the shower and I could tell the hair was bone dry. I could tell he'd kept his whole head away from the water. And it just started to, because of my hormonal state really really wind me up it's yeah. really not the end of the world is it I mean you know go swimming twice a week so his face is definitely getting wet anyway <laughs> some stage in the week um it was definitely the hormones that made that's what it was like in those days I would fixate on these little things like all the other things I talked about previously like that water bottle that went missing you know those were the days where these things were just flare up they I couldn't let them go oh Jenny I'm sorry for you do you still ask him now if he's washed his face I do sometimes I do sometimes but I try not because I've got to stop it haven't I (laughs) (laughs) we have to accept you see in there I am there saying like oh maybe I should be reminding him more often but actually no I shouldn't they're old enough now they've got they've got to take responsibility for washing their own faces (laughs) all right I'm going to read letter number two now this is entitled older mother dear Jenny and Kate For most of my adult life, I suffered from what felt like too many hormones. During my fertile years, I felt hormonal most of the time. I remember that wonderful little window in the month when I felt great, mid-cycle when my period was finished and I wasn't yet premenstrual, and then it started all over again. And that's exactly what you have said before, haven't you? Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, haven't we? Yeah. At age 33, I got pregnant with my first son, Alexi. I loved being free of monthly cycles and enjoying the benefits of pregnancy hormones, shining eyes and hair, flexible joints and glowing in general. Stop. 
Did you have that? <laughs> When you were pregnant, I had I had the opposite. No, I don't think particularly, but I didn't. Uh, did you have the opposite? What did you? Well, have? I certainly don't remember my eyes shining and my fl- flexible joints. I remember feeling stiff as a board, being absolutely enormous, and feeling violently sick most days. So, oh, lucky her. Oh yeah, pregnancy hormones really lucked out there. <laughs> they did, didn't they? Well, good for her after having yeah, a good for her experience of hormones so far. But you were unlucky, unlucky, unlucky oh, with your hormones, Jenny. Hormones. Oh dear. Another bonus of having a baby was no periods for six months following the birth. Well, I breastfed and then no more menstrual pain for at least four years after that. Looking back, that was hormonally probably the most balanced time in my life. Even though now I said that, a memory comes of sitting with cabbage leaves from the fridge, trying to cool down my huge engorged boobs when the milk came in. Oh, cabbage leaves. Cabbage leaves. Did you ever do that? I didn't do that. No, I didn't. Did you try to do that? No, I didn't. But I do remember the engorged boobs feeling, which was Mm. horrific. And weeping on Alexi's head, which was smaller than my breasts. (laughs) (laughs) Gracious. Yeah. (laughs) Poor woman. But somehow the joy of having my baby balanced out the rush of hormones in that instance. My desire for a second baby was strong when I met my second husband, aged 39. So strong that the poor man would try to leave the country every time I was ovulating. (laughs) He would run for the hills. (laughs) I was this vision of her saying, it's time, come on. (laughs) He's trying to make excuses. Oh dear. He finally came around to the idea of having a child. And after two miscarriages, I finally got pregnant, aged 47. Wow, age 47. That's a brave lady right there. Yeah, well, she'd had such a wonderful experience the first time round, hadn't she, with her first son? Bring it on, let's have another one. Still, 47. Yeah, sorry, still. (laughs) That's like practically my age. (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't want to do it now, but, you know, I've 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 had my turn. Um, (laughs) Having had a dream baby the first time, I had no fear of becoming a mother again. My first son slept like an angel from day one. Breastfed with no problems. In fact, he didn't even cry once until at five months old at the GP. The doctor felt to see if his balls had dropped and he cried for the first time. (laughs) I don't blame him. (laughs) He would nap beautifully. Transfer from anywhere to anywhere. In fact, now aged 19, he is still such an easygoing, delightful and sweet person. Oh, he sounds what awesome. What a boy. What a boy. Yeah. I wonder if he washes his face. <laughs> I'm sure he's always washed his face every day without being asked. I naively and somewhat arrogantly put this easy, content baby down to my impeccable mothering and complete knowledge and intuition of what he needed and when. Now, I think I've said this to you before, haven't I, Jenny, that my (laughs) elder two children are easier (laughs) in some ways than my youngest one. And I did always slightly feel, you know, in those days when they were little, that they, they were just very calm. They just didn't move around all that much. They would be very content to sit and draw and all this sort of thing. And I'd, I'd sort of sit there with them and, and other parents would be frantically running around after their children. And a yeah. little little part of me, I, I can admit it now, a little part of me would think, well, you know, I think I'm just I'm quite quite natural at this. <laughs> it's just, I think it's part, it, it probably is partly to, partly to do with me. Yeah. And now I can categorically say, having had my third child, it was nothing to do with me at all. <laughs> <laughs> now I am the one running around like a 
crazy thing after this crazy child who's just yeah. got this and I mean she's amazing but she <laughs> is full of energy and nothing can what it is not what you do and if <laughs> If you're in that happy position that this writer was in or that I was in, thinking that, you know, you're doing everything better than other people, good for you. Stick with it. But <laughs> yeah, the reality is it's their personality, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's their personality. Right. OK. When Luca arrived, this is her second son. That arrogance was soon blown away. <laughs> Tell me about it. My milk didn't come in due to the codeine they gave me after the C-section. If I had known, I would never have taken painkillers with codeine as it can affect milk supply. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't even really need them as I felt really well and not much pain at all. I was walking around easily a few hours after and the nurse thought that I'd had a natural birth. So with no milk, we had a bad start with Luca crying a lot and not having that lovely content feeling when a baby full of milk passes out happily like my other son had. Once my milk did come in, to add to that distress, he had silent reflux, so he will be crying a lot after feeding. For me, the huge lesson was that when a baby is not comfortable, it cannot be content. That then throws you into trying to find and do anything to comfort your baby. Bad habits form like rocking your baby to sleep in your arms, etc. The effect of this is that Luca woke every hour or so until he was nearly three. That is, that's a lot of getting up in the night. Oh my God, nearly three. So let's remember, she was 47 when she got pregnant. So she must be, well, she must be 50 now. And she's still having to get up every hour. Oh God, Kate, could you imagine? Because these are the times... You know, if you had the children longer, younger, like her first one, where you can actually start having a lion. But now oh. she's getting up. Uh, oh, poor Kira. Her name is Kira. I'll Kira. Let her oh, Kira, you poor, poor thing. Absolutely sleep deprived. Yes, for three years in their late forties. So I I keep drumming that in, but it's because I'm in my late forties. <laughs> can't imagine. <laughs> can you imagine doing that? No, now? no. Well, I had that party the other day, didn't I? That I talked about last week, and went to bed at three a.m. after that. And that, that did me... you in for the week? Yeah, it took me five days to get over. Is your voice back today, Jenny? Your voice is not really. <laughs> no, still not. It also taught me that it is pointless to judge yourself harshly or compare yourself to other mothers and babies. This is so true. Each experience is totally unique with so many different factors affecting the experience. And in the end, we just do the best we can. And we are full of hormones at the same time. Absolutely. Those early years are torture, actually, aren't mm. they? They're, they're really gruesome. Gruesome? Is that the right word? They're gruelling. <laughs> <laughs> gruelling rather than gruesome. Not so much gruesome. Although bits of it can be gruesome. Nappies. <laughs> bits of it can. But that's very true, Kira. that people should not judge themselves harshly or compare themselves to others. Absolutely true. Comparing yourself is one of the worst things. And I think that is what your hormones are guilty of. They do mm. make you compare yourself over and over and over again, don't they? Um, mm. Especially to other mothers. I was constantly thinking I was doing things wrong in those early days. That was the rush of hormones, I think, that was... Yeah. Uh, going on didn't realize let's all not compare ourselves to other mothers and also don't compare yourself to other scout leaders as well I speak to myself here <laughs> absolutely Kate <laughs> absolutely you're the best scout leader ever mm, no not yet but... <laughs> right I always made a joke that when Luca finally slept a bit better my menopause would start and I would not sleep due to the lack of progesterone well 
It wasn't a joke. It turned out to be a prediction. Oh, Kira. Oh, my goodness me. (laughs) We very sensibly not planned a wedding when Luca was one, as I was determined to get married before I was 50. We had a truly beautiful wedding in Seville, one week before my 50th birthday, and that is where my hot flushes began. Perfect timing. Poor, this poor woman. So she's in Seville. It's boiling hot. (laughs) She's there in her wedding dress. (laughs) And the hot flushes starts. Oh my God. The flushes started slowly and were almost an enjoyable sensation at first. But what? What? Whoa, 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 whoa. At first. She says at first. Oh, I still can't imagine them being an enjoyable sensation. I'm not, I'm trying, I'm struggling with that, having experienced hot flushes, but I'm uh, I've good. actually, I'm someone glad. else has said that to me, that they've found them quite an enjoyable sensation. And that for them, it wasn't just at first. They've said that throughout, they found it quite a nice sensation. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go, ladies. Something to look forward to as you approach mm. your perimenopausal and menopausal years. Lovely hot flushes. Maybe I should get that person to write us a letter about it, about it being an enjoyable sensation for her. Do it, do it. But Kira says, at first it was an enjoyable sensation, but then the night sweats began and the hot flushes got more intense. Uh... Luca was sleeping through the night, but I wasn't. Oh, God. This is really bad timing, isn't it? It's terrible timing. I am now taking bio-identical hormones, which have taken away many of the symptoms, but I would definitely not say that I am feeling hormonally balanced or that I sleep well either. Oh, what a shame. What are bio-identical hormones, Jenny? Do you know? Bio-identical hormones are derived from plant sources that are chemically similar to the hormones in your own body. Um, So, you know, in Eileen's letter, that brilliant letter in... um, was it our second ever podcast the wonderful baby clinic letter where Eileen's mum was taking um, HRT and it had been derived from equine urine do you remember yes I remember that's the difference so these days is that it's not produced like that it is produced from plant sources that are chemically similar to our own hormones so that's the gel that I rub on my body I think it's derived from yams actually I think oh yeah I was planning to write this letter for season one of Dear Hormones, but it's taken me all this time to get round to doing it. Can I blame that on my hormones? Yes, I think I can. (laughs) Oh, Kira, thank you so much for that letter. And I do hope that you get some proper quality sleep soon. You've been deprived for such a long time and that your hormones do. I'm sorry to hear that your your HRT has taken some of your symptoms away, but not all. Um, just want to remind her that, you know, you can tweak your doses with HRT. So it might be that she just needs to increase that dose um, as I have a couple of times now since I've been on it and it's made a huge difference. So maybe she just needs to revisit that, maybe go back to her GP and just say, you know, it's not really taken everything away yet. And, and that might be what they suggest that might yeah. help her. Kira, thank you so much for writing us that letter. And I just want to go back quickly to that bit that you said about it being pointless to judge yourself harshly or compare yourself to other mothers and babies. That's the bit from your letter that really sticks with me. Um, We all need to remember and keep hold of that. Every experience is unique. Well said. Do your hormones constantly have the last laugh? Do you turn into a demon on a monthly basis? Or has the menopause pounced just when you least expected it? Don't worry. Jenny and Kate are here for you. Tell them all about it at dearhormones at yahoo.com or on Instagram at dearhormones. 
Um, so our next letter is actually a little bit similar in that it does address pregnancy hormones as well. And this one is called Baby Name and it's from Keeley in London. She says, Dear Jenny and Kate, My postnatal hormonal hell involves being rendered completely incapable of naming my own baby. The background to the story is that before having my successful pregnancy, I had two years of heartbreak with three miscarriages and failed IVF. Oh my goodness, how stressful. Mm. We hadn't locked in a name for our daughter before she was born, mostly because I couldn't quite believe everything was going to be okay and that she would arrive safely. But we did have a shortlist of two names, which I didn't discuss with anyone while I was pregnant for fear of being influenced. I remember mm. that. Did you, Kate? Yeah, I, kept... I do. Yeah. I thought the name would just click when I saw her, but I'd failed to factor in my five days and nights of stop-start labour and the big flood of oxytocin that hit me like a train. She was the best thing I had ever made and I wanted her to have the perfect name. Oh, perfect oh. name for a perfect baby. Yeah. As soon as she was born, my husband announced, she doesn't look like an Amelie to me. And my mum arrived at the hospital soon after and said, well, I know which name I prefer and it's not Maya. In my, <laughs> in my sleep-deprived, oxytocin-flooded state, I thought that was it. I couldn't have either of the names on my list because my husband didn't like one and my mum didn't like the other. I wanted everyone to love the name, which of course I now know isn't possible. Yes, it's That's not the possible. Thing. That's the thing. There followed six weeks of mental torment, heightened by a lack of sleep and hormones. I didn't realise it at the time, but I was suffering from postnatal anxiety and my brain became totally fixated on the baby's name. I asked everyone and anyone what they thought. As well as family and friends, I asked my boss, the health visitor, the ladies from the children's centre who were paying me a visit, someone in the local cafe and even some poor soul who just wanted to deliver a parcel. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was, the more people I asked, the more opinions I got. One of my oldest friends told me that one of the names on my list was the name of her brother's dog. So I thought I couldn't have that. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. My sister told me that one of the names was very popular in her kid's school. So I thought I couldn't have that either. My husband worked with someone called another of the names. So we couldn't have that. This is so brilliant. Gosh. Is she going to go on forever and just not be able to name her baby? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> my husband started petitioning for Martha. Oh, I love the name Martha. My dad oh, I'm not phoned... sure that I do. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> see? Just, no, I just thought I'd throw that in oh. there. <laughs> <laughs> my dad phoned from his holiday to say that he and his wife thought Phoebe would be nice. My mum was petitioning for Emily and also said her friends had taken a vote on my long list and Eva was the most popular. So actually, my friend and I did used to quite love playing the game of, and I mean, it was a while ago, but I still quite fancy playing with you now, actually, in fact, Jenny, of you give your, your friend three names that are just ridiculous and that you wouldn't call your child, but you have to pick one of them and you have to call, and if you had to choose one, which <laughs> yeah. one of those three would you call your child? And there'd be no shortening. So it's got to be like that. That would be the name that you would give your child and you would introduce your child to everybody proudly with that full name. <laughs> proudly. Okay, I love this game. Play. Let's play. <laughs> okay, right, Jenny. So, so this is the sort of example. Jenny, you have got to name your child Cinderella, mm. Rapunzel, <laughs> um, or Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't you shorten choosing? the names at can't all. Can't shorten it. Can't shorten it. Is it a girl or boy that I've had? You've, you've had a girl. You know, I'll give you that. So Cinderella, Rapunzel 
or Pocahontas? Cinderella, Rapunzel or Pocahontas. I mean, and you're a fan of Rapunzel. I know you are. I, you do I, like well, you like Tangled. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's one of my favourite films, Kate. Um, well, I think you've just answered the question for me. I'm going for Rapunzel for that very reason. Also, because it doesn't sound quite as ridiculous as calling your child Cinderella, who has quite a sad story at the beginning. I mean, it's you know, Ooh, well, actually, you they see, all I, do. They I all would do. go Cinderella over would Rapunzel. Would you go Cinderella? Personally. I would. No, just, sorry, just imagine you're uh, <laughs> presenting your child. Now. <laughs> this is Cinderella. <laughs> But imagine Rapunzel, that you're presenting Rapunzel. your child as Rapunzel. <laughs> Rapunzel. Rapunzel. What was the third one? Pocahontas. Pocahontas. It can't be that. It can't be that. Pocahontas. Kate and I have a WhatsApp group called Pocahontas, don't we? We do indeed. <laughs> it's our poker, it's our poker group. Um, okay, Kate, your turn. Out of these three names, you have to call your child one of these names. Bin bag. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've never played with that sort of name. Disinfectant. Oh no, or Lou Roll. Or Lou Roll. There you go. You just said it's a boy. It's a boy. I don't think you've got the idea of this this game. I have. Go. What are you going for? You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Gorgeous little boy in your arms. What are you going for? I feel like you've gone quite kind of COVID esque with this. (laughs) Disinfectant and Lou Roll. It's sort of, you know, yeah, it's a COVID child and we, we. (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, it's not going to be Lou Roll. Oh, no, it can't all be Lou. Could dreadful. it be that? Lou Roll could maybe Can I just... shorten? Are you no, allowed to shorten? You, t- you told me the rules, Kate. You told me the rules. You can't shorten. You can't call a child bin bag. This is bin bag. No, obviously not. It rolls not. off the tongue, though, doesn't it? Bin bag. This is Lou Roll. No. <laughs> this is dis- it's got to be disinfectant. Disinfectant. <laughs> And I probably like I probably you didn't tell me that I couldn't change the way I pronounced it. Oh, go on then. How are you how are you pronouncing it? <laughs> I'd put it give a French sort of accent like disinfectant. Dis, oh. dis, I don't know disinfectant. Okay, that works. That works. This Des is disinfectant. But you could go bin bag, bin bag. <laughs> Should we carry I think on? We're with getting the too silly now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, right. My boss suggested Elsie, Allegra, or Cecily. Oh, quite like Cecily. My mother-in-law was a fan of Esme. I felt like I was running a competition to name a newborn tiger cub at the zoo and that I had to please as many of the public as I could. This poor woman is having an absolute mare. They're all good names. Yeah, they are. By the time the six-week deadline for registering our baby approached, I was suffering from severe insomnia and having terrible hormone-induced panic attacks in the middle of the night where I woke up drenched in sweat and with my heart beating so fast I thought I was going to die. Oh, my God. I couldn't decide if I wanted a cup of tea, let alone what to name my precious baby. A friend I'd not seen in a while texted to say congratulations and I seized the opportunity to ask someone else what to call my baby. She told me the way she and her husband had settled on the name of their eldest, Eliza. I told my husband and he said, Eliza's a cool name and I agreed. I spoke to my friend again and she said, if it solves a problem for you, by all means, call your baby Eliza. We'd see it as a big compliment. She was so lovely that two days before registering our baby... We settled on the name Eliza. That is a lovely name. It's a lovely name. But I was an anxiety-ridden mess. I still wasn't sure this was the right name. I was on the phone to my husband in tears while he was in the waiting room to register the baby. After I saw the birth certificate, I felt sick. I'd given her the wrong name, I thought, and I knew that if I hadn't been suffering with anxiety, I would have made a different decision. I couldn't let it go. 
I called up and found out that you have one chance to change the registered name on the birth certificate. The amendment is written in space 17. I told my long-suffering husband he needed to go back to the registry office and change it. But I couldn't decide what he should change it to. Oh dear. I'm so sorry for her. Oh, because we get fi- we've talked about being fixated on things and I got fixated on that little tiny spoon or whatever it was that fell down the floorboard but to be fixated on your baby's name when it's such know, an important time. Oh, awful. He made the appointment to go and still that morning I didn't know what he should change it to. I was sobbing on the phone to him as he sat in the registry office again. I told him he would need to choose, so he went for Eva. But I then called him back and said we couldn't have that as an NCT friend had just named her daughter Eva. It was too late. He'd already put Eva on the form in the space 17. (gasps) Oh, no, it's done. Deed is done. She's just in a panic, isn't she? She is in such a panic. I was completely beside myself. I spent the next few months petitioning the registry office to have Eva removed from Space 17 on the grounds that I wasn't in my right mind. Eventually, the best they could do was put her original name, Eliza Grace, into Space 17. So I'd now given my daughter what I saw as the wrong name twice. What a nightmare! By this this point, I was seeing the doctor and a counsellor. Both advised me to take medication and let the name thing go for a while because I clearly wasn't in the right headspace to make the decision. So I left it, took the medication and the months went by. But I just couldn't bring myself to call my baby Eliza. Not because it was a horrible name, but because it was so tied up with everything I'd been going through with the postnatal anxiety. I called her baby girl or darling and kept trying out other names to see what suited her. She turned one and I didn't even want her name written on her cake. Oh, poor Keely. Yeah, it went on for a whole year. I was feeling much more myself now, but my daughter's name still didn't seem right. And when the more cockney elements of my family called her Liza, (laughs) it was like nails down a chalkboard to my ears. My daughter started nursery and I thought, that's it, I can't change her name now. But still I couldn't let it go. I spoke to the lady who runs the nursery who said, it's your baby, call her what you like. She doesn't really even know her name yet. If anyone has a problem with it, it's their problem. It was like a light going on. We changed our daughter's name to Amelie by Deedpole when she was about 15 months old. I kept Eliza Grace as her middle name so that she's connected with the name on her birth certificate. I told people I was spinning it as a lesson to my daughter in following your heart and not worrying what people think. But the truth is, no one really cared that much. No. Yeah. Amelie Eliza Grace is now five years old and loves her name story. (laughs) I bet she does. (laughs) I went on to have a second daughter whose name was decided without too much indecision. Although it did take a week after she was born and people were starting to worry. Incidentally, my second daughter is Elodie, which had been on my list for my first baby, but I thought I couldn't have it because in my anxious state, it sounded like, hello, die. <laughs> At least now I can laugh about it. Oh. That, is, that is stress and then some, isn't it? That Absolutely. poor lady. At least she managed to get on the medication, which I think she t- totally needed. Yeah. And, and it's cleared her head and she was able to make that decision. But for a whole year. Gracious. What a beautiful name you've chosen for your daughter in the end. Everyone does have an opinion on names, don't they? And my personal opinion. (laughs) 
for anyone who wants to know, is that I love the names Emily, Eliza and Grace. Yeah, I <laughs> would have really every well. single one of them. If I ever had a girl, I would have all three of those names. They're absolutely beautiful. So not only did she struggle to, get, to give her baby the perfect name, what she's ended up with is giving her baby the perfect three names. Well done. <laughs> well done indeed. Oh, I wish you'd given me those three names to choose between and not been bag and disinfectant. <laughs> Lou roll. Lou roll. <laughs> so I've got one more letter for us, Jenny. This one's called Bladder Infection and it's been sent to us by Emma who got in touch with us via Instagram. Thank you, Emma. Dear Jenny and Kate, I have been on HRT for three or four years and so far, so good. However, in lockdown last year, I started suffering with what I thought was a bladder infection. I went to my GP and was prescribed antibiotics, which didn't work. I called back, spoke to a different doctor and was re-prescribed even more antibiotics. This happened a couple more times and still the so-called infection was there. I'm only 50 years old, but my bladder incontinence had become so bad that I would fully pee myself at times. Oh, Oh, the poor woman. I found myself Googling bladder cancer one day and even started looking at having Botox to try to stop my bladder from over-functioning. And how embarrassing, you know, we've talked about flooding and and things like that, haven't we? But actually fully peeing yourself. And obviously we had this wonderful story from your Auntie Joy as well, who had to go (laughs) in the laundry basket. But this is, gosh, to fully pee yourself at times and not to know when that might be. I know. Awful for you, Emma. Anyway, six doctors later and six months into my bladder troubles, I was asked to go for a scan. This new doctor said that all the urine tests that had been done months ago were coming back clear of any bacterial infection and she couldn't understand why I was consistently being prescribed something that wasn't working. So she prescribed me internal oestrogen instead. And guess what? It worked. Wow. There was me worrying about cancer when all the time it was to do with a loss of oestrogen. I'm telling you this because I know there are lots of women out there who also suffer with this kind of problem. And who knows, it might be down to a lack of oestrogen too. Definitely worth mentioning to your GP, just in case. Thank you, Emma, for writing that in. That is really interesting. Actually, I do know a couple of people who have been suffering with this sort of thing. So I'm, I'm going to mention that to them as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Emma, for sharing that. And I just think the more that we can share these sorts of experiences, the better for all of us women. Um, Really appreciate you writing that. Thank you, Emma. So that was our last letter this week. Thank you, everybody who has written in. I'm going to say it again. We wouldn't have a podcast without you. So we are hugely, hugely grateful. And we will be getting your lovely badges to you as soon as we can. Don't forget, um, you can write to us at dearhormones at yahoo.com or you can get in touch via Instagram. We're at dearhormones on Instagram. And that's what Emma just did just there. Um, Yeah. And just before we go, Kate, out of these three names, which would you choose? Post-it note. Oh, printer, stop it. Printer ink or scissors. <laughs> we'll just end, we'll end with that. Tell me next week. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. That was Dear Hormones with Jenny Smith and Kate Baus. If you've got a story to share, email the girls at dearhormones at yahoo.com or they're at dearhormones on Instagram. Until next time. <laughs>